Hello and welcome to North 100 Canadian Highlander Podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me as always, I'm going really fast today, is Jer, Alex, and Liam. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by you with your support over the Patreon at patreon.com slash run. Thank you so much. We literally could not do it without you. Let's start today with the same segment we always do, the best card you're not playing. And up today is me. I want to talk to you about Petrified Field. It's a land. You can tap it to add one colorless mana to your mana pool, or you can tap and sacrifice it, return target land from your graveyard to your hand. As many of you know, I love land decks. Um, I, I, I even started a potentially not terribly well thought out campaign uh, regarding a certain green enchantment that, yeah, that shall not that be named. has caused certain people on this podcast Undo a stress. great deal amount of stress. Yeah. Um, this so card, all gear down. Yeah, this card is an all-star. If you're playing, in particular, uh, the Dark Depths Thespian Stage combo, Petrified Field is sort of this amazing ability to get a little bit of, of recursion, uh, an ability to protect your combo. What it does is if you, if you tutor, if you have life from the loam, if you're using intuition and trying to get a combo piece and putting something in there, or if you do summon Merit Lodge and they manage to deal with it, it lets you reassemble the combo, one of the pieces, over and over. Um, if you're playing, I wouldn't do it in a in a four color version of lands deck. But if you're playing a three color lands combo <coughs> deck, even around Valakut, like a Scapeshift deck, or around Dark Depth and Thespian Stage, my goodness, this card's an all star. Man, I wish there was one more functional reprint of this card because yeah. we're one card off from having a really sweet Realms Uncharted package. Oh yeah. wow! Because you can go business land, business land, this other one question mark. X. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a real shame. It is, it is slow, but you can get your two business lands, this and Vesuva, and then you can play this and then Vesuva the next turn to copy it. <laughs> what if they just give you, you Dark Depths plus Vesuva? Yeah. Uh, Interesting. That doesn't work. That Go ahead. Doesn't work. Yeah. Is right. there already one functional reprint of this? No. No, no, no. no. Oh, okay. they, they want first run functional reprint. You can just yeah. play like Noxious Revival, though. But that doesn't. You can't get it with Realms Uncharted. It has oh, to be a land. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you got good intuition packages for stuff like this. So, anyways, this card's fantastic. For those of you who don't know the interaction, uh, Dark Depth. Oh, why can't I say this Dark word? Dark Depths. And That's Thespian Stage um, are, are two lands that let you summon Merit Lodge, uh, an indestructible 2020 flying spaghetti monster. Wrong. Yeah, that, that does some good stuff there. Um, of course. With the legendary rule, all right, I, sh I should go through the actual interaction. Dark Depths enters play with 20 counters on it. 10. 10. It, it becomes a 20, 20. 20. All right. Comes into play mistake. with. mistake. I've made it too. I, I, you know what? I don't ever actually count the counters. They're it just mostly this doesn't matter. It's this abstract number. Uh, Thespian Stage comes into play as a copy of Thespian Stage. So it's a, it's a land that doesn't have any counters on it. But you can use Thespians of Stage's ability to copy another land. It becomes a copy of Dark Depths, which has no counters on it. Use the legendary rule. You get rid of Thespian, you get rid of Dark Depths. Thespian stage is now Dark Depths with no counters, and you summon Merit Lodge, which is incredible. Clear as mud. Clear as mud. Um, Ooh, big spooky monster. You know, who who do you think wins between Emrakul and Merit Lodge? Well, Merit Lodge. Emrakul. Emrakul. Why? Ooh. Well, because uh, Annihilator. You might have seven permanents. It's. I guess it's whichever comes first, probably. Wins. Yes. Maybe they're friends. Like Maybe two different spaghetti monsters. We don't actually oh, know I much. I was all, the only one. All I know is I know who wins in combat. If you cast, uh, I guess you can't really target Emrakul with a whole lot of things here. But, you know, if these two fought in combat, Merit Lodge wins. I, I mean, Krakus kills them both. I've also never made this observation before, but Merit Lodge's tentacles all go up. 
and uh, Emrakul's temple Emrakul goes down. Well, if if you're hard casting Emrakul, Caracas isn't really where you want to be. Have you yeah. ever seen these two creatures <laughs> at the same at time? The same time in the same place? <laughs> I have. You've been close. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. All right. Uh, I have. Oh, go ahead, Graham. Just real quick. What's a business land? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, where you go to file your taxes. That's what I live, please. <laughs> it, is, it, it is that time of year. Okay, yeah. so business card in the context of magic is like a card that means business. It's one that does something that you want it to. So you're like, oh, I'm trying to top deck a business card. You know, like a card that gives them the business. Right. Want, okay. Like a, car, a live draw. I wasn't sure if it was like, you know, like the check lands or the fast lands. No, I wasn't sure if it lands. was. Yeah, yeah. This okay. is Alexism. It is a, is it? No. It's, it's, it's pretty common, but especially with cards like Gifts Ungiven and Intuition and Realms Uncharted, which are cards that let you get like a, a, a variety of things and your opponent chooses which things to give you. The, the ideal package often involves getting some number of business things and some number of things that recur the business so yeah. they're in essence just giving you the business no matter what yeah uh and petrified field is the recursion part and yeah. usually something like thespian stage or dark depths or like wasteland and strip mine yeah. represent the business portion of the so package to to bring it back to where this is, lies in context of realms uncharted realms uncharted is two in a blue for an instance two in your library sorry two, two in a green. green sorry uh, search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, put those into the graveyard, and the rest into your hand. So the ideal package with this would be like Dark Depths, Thespian Stage, Petrified Field, and, and there's one card missing. Yeah, that Petrified Field, field 2. Right? Number, yeah. If there was Petrified Field number 2, it wouldn't matter what they give you. You would always get the two combo pieces. You so, don't really need. We need a body double for lands. Like a I land was thinking, like yeah, it just doesn't copy a land from a graveyard. That'd I want that. Wow, that would make this so good. Be excellent. That'd be pretty cool. Card. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Oh, I would never. It, it would be a dead draw if you didn't have anything in your graveyard. Like I already almost exclusively play lands, but if that card existed, I don't think I'd ever not play okay. lands. Yeah. Ender's Tab copies a land in your bin. Oh, that'd be so brutal. No, you go Wasteland, turn two, second wa- Hitetsugu's <laughs> second Wasteland? It's so good. If they have they exactly have ten lands, blow up all lands. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, we're going a little deep here. I'm not even sure that the people at home know anyway, what Hitetsugu's second right is. Let's all talk, right. let's bring it back to today's theme. There's so, a theme? There's a theme. <laughs> oh, we, we, great. Uh, today we are talking about deck building Eureka moments. That moment where, and and if you're big brewers like we are, uh, it's a breakthrough moment. A moment where the stars have aligned. You, you, you shout out Eureka, and and everything changes. You get out of your bathtub. That that's the actual original story, right? He he was in a bathtub and like he solved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is like where it comes from. Okay. Yeah, this Who's this he? Uh, it's a Greek mathematician, and I didn't want to get it wrong, but okay. it's, it's one of them. It might sure. be Pythagoras, but I'm not certain. Yeah, I don't even worry about it. So anyways, yeah, we're going to talk about a deck that we've tried workshopping for a long time. We're going to talk about this moment that everything changed, like when the Fire Nation invaded. Really? It was Archimedes. Archimedes. Yeah. Archimedes, theoretically. Uh, and, yeah, what happened what changed? And for a more technical definition, we got Jer. Yeah, so... To go beyond Eureka moments, we're not talking about adding in another card or your your deck, they printed another card for your deck. We're talking about a shift in your deck's plan or an addition of an additional plan to your deck that just like pushes it into the, the next tier or whatever that may be. Sometimes it goes from like, you know, questionably playable to definitely playable or 
definitely playable to tier one, but just like some sort of paradigm shift within your your deck that pushes it up a notch. Well, do you wanna you wanna start us off? What's a what's a eureka moment that you've had in brewing? Yeah, so I've I've had a couple. Uh, I've I've uh, brewed a few decks in my time, but the <laughs> the one I'm gonna talk about one from a several years ago. Okay. Uh, I I was I picked up Scapeshift and mm. it hadn't been, it hadn't been played for maybe two years, uh, and back then it was played as like a turbo ramp deck. You just played every ramp spell imaginable, and tried to hopefully find yeah the so, win. So like count to seven as fast as possible and try and oops into yeah. Scapeshift. And so what what I what I did is I I switched it to more of a and they they were like. A red green deck splashing blue for tutors okay. and what i did is i switched it to a blue green deck splashing red for mountains because <laughs> you need to have so many mountains to actually win with scape shift all right so that's what changed now what happened what why was that the breakthrough moment uh so there there was another i had um, this is a story of Ooh, breakthrough okay, Mul okay, multiple okay, breakthrough okay a eureka exception if you will <laughs> uh so that, that was the oh, first God. break breakthrough was uh changing changing that angle was to make it sort of from a ramp deck to a combo control deck uh that that's what i thought was was best that was when right when they started printing cards like thrag tusk and corsair of crucifix and those style of cards so yeah. they just helped you slow the game down and m made being able to play a higher concentration of blue spells just better than just trying to turbo it out uh but then they started printing more tutors uh, like Bring to Light is a big one. Dark Petition's another big one. So then the deck, what I think is the best version of the deck, switched again hmm. uh, to a four-color, more combo-oriented version. Really? Yeah. So you're playing four colors, no white, and you're just like playing a density of tutor. Like you probably have at least ten cards in the deck that find Scapeshift, hmm. and you're just able to play such a density of tutors and ramp spells with like a spring smattering of disruption to hopefully not die before you can you can get there. The sweet thing about this build of Scapeshift is that you have to play fewer literal actual basic mountains, which is also good. Yeah. Uh, I had I had a trouble with that where you're like cuz red is often always often the splash color. The weakest color shift. in there. So what is what is the math? Is it 11 mountains is what you need to well, like reliably that, that's include? That's the fewest I'm willing to play in Highlander. Yeah, yeah. 11 or 12. So so the math for those of you who don't know how Scapeshift works at home, Scapeshift is a four mana sorcery that's two green green and says sacrifice any number of lands, search your library for that many lands, put them into play and then shuffle your library. Your payload is a card called Valakut which is a land that taps for red, but has an interesting ability that says, if you control five or more mountains... Five other... When a mountain enters the battlefield, oh, if right. you control at least five other mountains, you get a lightning bolt... Tri a trigger that lightning bolts something. Yeah. Uh, and then so what happens is if you can scape shift with seven lands into play, which is why we're saying that, you get Valakut and six mountains, and you deal 18 damage to them because they all interplay at the same time. And presumably at this point, your opponent has fetched at least twice or, or you know, sort of incidentally accrued a little bit of damage. Secure yeah. tribe elders attacked once, that sort of you thing. No, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's fairly reasonable that they are dead if you get to seven lands and you cast Scapeshift. The challenge in the deck is um, 
if you accidentally play a mountain at any point, how many redundant mountains do you need to have so that you can get those six? Or, or if you just have a mountain in your hand, right? You can't, yeah. you can't get them in the hand. The other thing is that unlike in Modern, which is where this deck's uh, it's play, it's real good, yeah. yeah, where you can play multiple Valakits. So if you get to eight, you still just get six mountains and two Valakits, and all of a sudden the damage doubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in Highlander, you can't do that. And Vesuva doesn't work, uh, I've asked. Unless you already have the value yeah, in Vis play. Vesuva needs to copy a land that's already in play because it so, enters play as a copy of land, yeah. a land. So so there's no way that you can sort of like cheat and get a second Valakit. Hmm. So, which which means you just have to do it the hard way. So in Highlander, if your opponent gets to 24 life, all of a sudden you just need like nine lands when hmm. you when you escape shift them and you need to have eight mountains in your deck still. So that's neat, because that's a challenge that I've had in trying to build sort of like value scape shift where mm -hmm. I, I, I'm trying to just like jam scape shift into a land shell as opposed to a mm -hmm. scape shift deck um, and it's always been like oh, I have to play all these useless mountains They're, like I don't want to play red spells um, yeah four color yeah you're, so, you're blowing my mind Jer so what what really happened was just like the advent of them printing more and more better cards and adjusting because scape shifts are really like variable archetype. You can do a lot of different things with scape yeah, shift. Yeah, I've been yeah, like yeah. trying to brew Naya aggro shift for a while. Like landfall <laughs> scape shift. Just oh, like yeah. you have like a step links in play and you end up played a GFP and you like value shift them. <laughs> just for like landfall trigger. <laughs> <laughs> or you just like have a knight, knight in play or like a knight Titania of protector of Argos. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're well, just like scape shift, sack all my lands, get eight five threes. So I obviously did a terrible job brewing that because I had Naya value like big ramp. Mm -hmm. And you guys crushed me when we streamed that. I mean I also had Swans of Bernargal and and you know trying to make use of that red mana so I was playing, you know, um seismic assaults. Yeah. But, oh, dude, your idea is way cooler. <laughs> yeah, and so just being trying to figure out, like, which direction to take Scapeshift is, is really interesting because there's so many different things you can do with it, and they keep printing more and more better cards, so you, I keep, like, trying to, like, work in how to play, like, the new hot busted cards yeah, with yeah, Scapeshift. Yeah. yeah, very cool. <laughs> any, other, any other questions for Jer? Seems pretty. I think one other thing that's worth talking about with with the sort of evolution of scape shift is actually this is a good archetype where Highlander players' uh, unwillingness to play cards that they viewed as commander cards really can't fit <laughs> them. Because um, actually, the best card in the scape shift deck, not called scape shift, is Sky Shroud Claim, yeah. which is historically a commander card. Right? This is a four mana sorcery that finds two forests and puts them into play. Uh, and classically, so it's three and a, three and a green. And classically. You know, we look at this and go like, yeah, that Animar Commander deck probably wants that card. I have no idea whether that's true or not, by the way. But, <laughs> but like, you know, this is like something that, that people have looked this at is as a... Ramp spell. But yeah, it turns out this card's great. It's really good. Every, and every nut draw in the deck involves, involves casting Yeah, yeah Skyshard Claim on turn three. Like, this is how you turn four people. You go turn one or two Ramp Spell, and then turn three, Skyshard Claim, turn four, kill them. Um, I've, I've had draws that involve, like, you go turn one, search for tomorrow, turn two... Two mana ramp spell, turn three, get your land off sky search for tomorrow, and sky shroud claim with another ramp spell, and then turn four without even playing a get land. Em. You can scape shift for twenty one. Um, real quick, give me an example point spread in this four in this four uh, color version. So the reason you're playing the four color version is yeah. for for tutors. So your primary points go into tutors. So you're usually playing demonic tutor, which is four, yeah. vampiric tutor, which is another three. Mystical Tutor, which is another two, and then whichever one-point card you cool. like best. Personal's pretty hot. Yeah. Very cool, very oh, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I need one of those. All right. Uh, I'll go next. And I also want to talk about lamp, uh, a lands deck, but a very different lands deck. I want to talk about fast bond decks. Surprise, surprise. Shock. I know. Um, and I think the biggest Eureka moment I've had in brewing uh, Turbo Land is the act of playing a land is much more significant than actually ramping, which is which is kind of hard to understand the difference on that because oftentimes you're playing these landfall effects. So you want to you want to care about a land in hand and the timing when you play it rather than like oh. I've got fast one in play. I should just immediately dump my hand, and now I have seven mana in play. And you're like, well, so what? I'm gonna do nothing. Yeah, I'm gonna do nothing with it. I don't, I, I like, I don't actually care about having that many lands in play. And what that changed was prioritizing cards that let me bring lands back into my hand. So if I play a blue splash, I'm already, I'm often playing Obero, Palace in the Clouds. That card enables a lot of infinite combos with fast bond. That in any way to gain a life, like Course of Crew Fix. Or prevented damage like um, glacial chasm. Glacial chasm. That those three cards, fastbound, Obero, and one of those sets up infinite combos. If you can gain more than one life, that's an infinite combo. If you have something like Hornigreed in play, that's draw your whole deck. If you have Obnixilus in play, they just die. Um, like really, really spicy. But then added to that, you have trade routes. So trade routes is probably another best card you're not playing. I should talk about sometime. Is a a two mana blue enchantment for one and a blue that says for a generic return a color uh, return, return target land you control to your hand, or pay one discard a land draw a card. This lets you get so much value in your deck by every land you have turns into an obero. If you have something like um, what's that new desert they just printed? One of ETB's sunscorched desert. Sunscorched desert. Suddenly, with trade routes and fast bond, you just kill your opponent with Sunscorched Desert. <laughs> and yourself. Well, if you it's a race to the them. bottom. Yeah, you know, it, it's neat. Or, or this is the real spice. This is the real spice. I had a Knight of the Reliquary in play once, and a bunch of mana, and a trade routes. Uh, and I managed to generate infinite mana. And I just attacked, and I was like, let's see how deep we can go. I'm going to return all of my lands to my hand, and I'm just going to start pitching them all into my graveyard because they opted to not block and I got my Knight of the Reliquary up to a 20-20 because you just kept filtering through the deck and you're like, alright, let's it's risky and I got to lethal off of off of some some nutty draws. So that was that was big and it seems really subtle, but it's like if I care more about playing a land than ramping, what are the threats I play? What are the cards that I play? Um do I care about ramp spells like um, like uh, three visits or nature's lore? You know things that get me ahead, and it, it ends up being a balance. And so that was really really fundamental to my understanding of how do I play this deck, how do I build this deck when I'm brewing, what am I doing? And it, and it changes the win cons because as Jer said, you can put together very very different packages in the deck depending on the direction you want to go. What do you think the problem was with playing the ramp spells? Like why why did that ultimately not end up working, or was it just that playing lands is better? I you. The deck wasn't constructed in a way to ramp up and to take advantage of the ramp. Well, because you're not trying to hit like a six or an eight drop or anything. Yeah, right? yeah I think you just you, want lands you, to hit the table. If you look at typical land decks, we we talked about this a few times, but like their winning board states, they often 
look like you have some things in play and your opponent has virtually nothing in play. It doesn't look like you have a big 8-drop or something in play. Yeah. So I think the lands deck actually suffers from the classic ramp into nothing. Yeah. Itis. Absolutely. You know, I wonder if the lands deck could play Scapeshift just for value, like not actually have the Valakir They do package. sometimes. The issue is... Oh, just like value, sack all your lands, go get the best. I think the problem is they come in tapped, mm -hmm. so you're basically sacrificing a turn to do it. And I think Scapeshift just isn't worth playing if you don't have the, at least the capability to win That's with Valakid. Yeah, it's it's tough. Value shift, yeah. I mean, I'd just be reiterating exactly what Jared said. I, I nailed almost, all the important yeah. points there. In a deck with fast one, I almost feel like you want some sort of like Hercules recall effect, but for lands. <laughs> I mean, they, like, is this an evacuation? They, deck? they have that. <laughs> or, I don't know. I, I, I've thought about Sunder. Like the best, the best I've ever figured out with this is again um, these recursion ways. You, you go infinite, and yeah. I mean, you can kill people with heat drawn crab. It's beautiful. <laughs> No, seriously, Miller. No, I believe you. We know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've told people, you know, because this question comes up quite a lot. They're like, is Mill viable in Highlander? I'm like, no, unless it's Combo Mill. You have to get the whole library. Incidental yeah. Mill just will never get there through 100 cards. Yeah. It won't happen. Nope. Yeah. No. But, um, yeah, all... <laughs> Don't encourage them. I've, had, I've gone important. back and forth on this deck so, so, so many times. I've played so many different versions of it, and... It, it ends up having to play like a combo deck. It can't play like a ramp deck. It's sure, just yeah. it's just too inconsistent. And there's an old version of like a turbo, like a, a ramp deck that you're getting into Avenger of Zendikar. Ooh. You're playing Primeval Titan. You might be splashing for one or two other colors. It's too fair <laughs> for a Highlander right now, really. Like, and, and that is that is sort of the definition of fair fast bond, which is like, this isn't too bad. It just, it just doesn't do enough. Because like, best case scenario, you're like, great, I have five lands in hand, fast bond, and a six drop. <laughs> well, I have to hope to draw a couple cards. Mm -hmm. it, like, fast bond in that case doesn't actually let you get to your big creature any sooner because you don't have enough land in hand to do anything with it. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe you have fast bond, crucible, a couple of those lands are fetch lands, and you can play it, but you're going to be at about 12, and you only have the big idiot. You're not even, you haven't even won the game. Like, tin fins can win at that point. This way you've just cheated out something big. Like, a mid-range deck in that position is in a better place because you can rip gas off the top. Mm. But a ramp deck, land deck, it's just too weird. It's too inconsistent to take advantage of the ramp. So yeah, like, so it just actually turns out that those two ideas are more diffuse than they initially seem to be. Absolutely. You, you, like, you think that's sweet and that's a natural progression. And if you play it game after game after game after game, you end up with so many states where you either have a hand that does nothing or you ramp into nothing. Yeah. Or you live the dream and, it, and they, they're like, oh, swords? And you're just like... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you're sort of like this combo deck that uh, has is able to leverage it, all its land tutors into like these weird, hard-to-interact-with spell-like effects. Yep. Yeah. That, is, that is the advantage of a lands deck, is almost, if you're playing lands correctly, n nothing uses the stack and your opponent can't do it. And I was actually really sad when they changed the land rule, just because Vesuva used to be a, a copy of Wasteland that didn't use the stack. You could take out their Caracas, you could take out their Academy, you could take out their Gaos Cradle, and it would just come into play as a copy of it. Legend rule would kill both. Ah, I remember oh. those times. Right? But when they changed the Legend rule, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, we're going back, what was that, four years now? Maybe longer. Maybe, I think it's I was, even longer. I was, it was before I started playing Highlander. <laughs> so yeah, like that was a sweet version of Land's deck if you're going for Mana Denial. All right, but I've been I've been going on this for a bit. Alex, tell me your eureka moment. Let me tell you the tale of zombies. 
All right, now we've been talking about zombies for a while. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of been my unicorn deck, and <laughs> it may yet prove to continue along that trend. But well, like every every time there's a set review, it's like, is, is Zombielander viable? I'm like, <sighs> um, <laughs> so the so yes. The issue was the first couple of versions I came up with for this deck. I was yeah. like, this is obviously an aggro deck. It's like a a low to low ish to the ground sort of resilient aggro deck, kind of like Black Mold. Okay, yeah, which um, is green black. Where it's green black because you know you get like uh, Lotleth Troll and the Juice and a couple <laughs> other spells like that. Baby Juice. <laughs> oh, Baby Juice isn't a zombie. We discussed I know. this. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, you just play a bunch of like you know two X's for one and then some Lords and you know it's like a, a more slow but more resilient version of Goblins. Doesn't work. Bold. Um, the and I've mentioned this many times before. The quality of <clears throat> zombie one drops, um, and as far as aggro is concerned, starts really, really hot. You start off with grave crawler, diagraph ghoul, um, crypt breaker. Uh, like, there's a couple other ones that uh, oh, like sarcomancy is pretty good. Um, Carnifage. Yeah, Carnifage oh, yeah. is, is all right. And then after that, it drops off like a rock. Like, it doesn't sort of slowly dwindle. You go from like a 2-2 two -two for one to like a 1-2 for one. Or a, or a one-drop zombie that when it enters play, each player loses a life. Or when it connects, it exiles a card from the graveyard. Um, they're really bad. And much worse than the options of one-drops that Goblins has access to, which are like goofy cards, but actually, like, really powerful. Like, the Sledders are really powerful. The Boganista. They're insane. Um, and it just Goblins has this ins like, this huge density of, like, relevant one-drops that are good to play and synergistic. And it's just not there. So your early game is slow. Well, maybe. That's yeah. thematic in some ways, though. Yeah. I but, see what you did there. <laughs> um... Your so, two uh, drops so are what pretty changed? good, your three drops. Um, yeah, what changed was, I kept thinking, it's like, there's not enough one drops, there's not enough one drops, there's not enough, enough one drops. So, like, so like, aggro is not viable. I was like, wait, I don't have to make an aggro deck. <laughs> and there was also, Ding. there was also these cards that so I kept... get out of the bathtub. Yeah, I, I kept looking at them and I was like, I wish I could be playing blue for uh, Diagraph Captain, because he's completely insane! Yeah. This card is like it's the it's the best lord that I w was never able to work into the deck. I was like, this card's completely bananas. Yeah, I kept I kept being like, dude, you have to play bug. I was like, like you have to play bug. Can't do it, man. Makes the mana too. Alright, tell us about Diagraph Captain. He's uh, one blue black for a two two with death touch. Other zombies uh, you control get plus one plus one, and whenever another zombie you control dies, target opponent loses one life. Yeah, it's pretty hot. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff stapled onto one dude. <laughs> Yeah. For three mana. Much text was Much had. text. Wow, wow. Oh, it's mine. It's long since brought away. It wields a sword with deadly skill. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at So I was like, why not mid-range? Hmm. Because one of the things I thought about was um, a, a deck like Death and Taxes, which doesn't... It still plays some of the one-drop two Xs, but it plays only the very best ones hmm. um, for a little bit of early pressure. Uh, and then the rest are just like value hate creatures. Um, so, in some ways, I modeled it after that. It's, you're not playing like a hate shell, you're playing more like a synergy shell. And it developed this like 
substantial life loss something. Like, like you the, lose life? No, no, no. Oh, your your lose opponent life. loses oh. life. Okay. So I changed it from from <laughs> from green black to Esper. So three colors. That that's another part of this that I I want to talk about. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, blue adds more than I thought. Yeah, blue spicy for zombies. Like I actually brought my deck here so that we can look at what yeah, let's, blue, let's what blue adds. Let's look at the stack here. So hmm. I see I see one very spicy card there's, in your in your some, blue stack some here. Good stuff. So there's stuff like compelling deterrence, which is you know a, a this random blue cares about zombies card. Um, you can play oh, Phantasmal no Image as like a copy mm -hmm. of one of your lords. <laughs> uh, there's Gisa and Giralf, which I, I poo-pooed this card first time I looked at it. Yeah. And then I looked at it again harder. It's two blue, uh, two blue black for a 4-4. Four, four. Uh, and when they enter the battlefield, it mills you four. Okay. And during each turn, you can cast a zombie creature card from your graveyard. So one, one problem here, Alex. It's not a zombie. It's, yeah, that seems to be a human wizard. But it casts zombies every turn. It's like it draws you a card every turn. It's also a 4-4, four, four, which is fine. Reasonably hot. Um, is that Wonder Woman? Maybe. What's that art? What's going on in that art there? Oh, is that Liliana? Gisa. No, it's Gisa. What? It I says mean, on the card, Gisa search. <laughs> that would be Gisa and her brother Geralt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you also get to play Lich Lord of Unks, which I had a hell of a time tracking down. This is one blue-black for a 2-2 two -two zombie wizard. And for blue black tap, make a one one blue and black zombie wizard creature token. <laughs> this is a great type line. It's pretty cool. Uh, it also has an activated ability for blue blue black black. Target player loses X life and puts the top X cards of their library into their graveyard, where X is the number of zombies you control. Huh. And then Wait, I put. So you're telling me mill is viable? You're milling. Go with this away. <laughs> um, also, Scarab God cares about zombies a great deal. Sorry, it's it's your, the scarab god. The scarab god. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's, you should read. You should read the the zombie text that's so relevant there. So the scourge of standard right now. Uh, three blue black for five five at the beginning of your upkeep. Each opponent loses X life, and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. You also make zombies. Two blue black exile a creature card from a graveyard, and you make a copy of it that's a four four. And a zombie. And also a zombie. Yeah, you're getting some nut synergy here. Uh, also, <laughs> I was just able to put Time Walk and Treasure Cruise in here. Uh, six, pardon? Six out of ten seems good. Yeah. Wait, because it's the points? Six tens out of points seems well, good? I, I mean, Time Walk six. Treasure Cruise is one. The joke doesn't really work, but uh, seven yeah, seems yeah, too the high. Points, the points for the list are Time Walk, Treasure Cruise, Black Mox. Um, Have you considered playing Phantasmal Image? It's in I, there. It's in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Seems good. What are you, so what are you Grim cloning? Grim the Corpse Board? This and, combo... No, stop talking about this <laughs> stupid this, card! This card's great. It also combos with Splinter Twin, in case you were wondering. Hold on, go back to Grim Grim. Alright, let's, let's... Don't make me look at it. Alright, so Grim Grim is a 5-5 five five for 3 blue and a black. Okay. That it enters the battlefield tap and oh. doesn't untap during your untap step. That seems, that seems bad. But you get to sacrifice another creature and untap Grim Grim and put a plus 1, plus 1 counter Oh, you on only it. need to sacrifice a creature to get it to crack in once. And when Grim Grim attacks, destroy target creature defending player controls, then put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Grim Grim. Then keep him tapped. Right, and then sack your grave crawler and cast it again. This is the laziest zombie... <laughs> In the world. This card is actively good. This is Mike Tyson. He punches them once and falls asleep. Sure. But like half your cards suck anyway. So like <laughs> sacking is not that bad. Like let's go well. look. To, like would you sack? If I may continue. 
Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm gonna find um, things on down. I just saw I just saw a spicy card here. You there's, get to play cavernous souls. I do get to play cavernous souls. Uh, there's a white splash. This card actively wants you to sack things. It's plague Belcher. Put Plague Belcher on the screen. <laughs> I'm not playing Grim Goon. Um not when I'm playing Scarab God. You have so, withered red. All right, all right. Okay, so there's a. Oh, you're playing. There's a little. There's a tiny bit of white in the deck as well, which is on the fence right now. Oh, you might just go with two colors. I might just go blue black. Oh, However, interesting. the wow. white cards in the deck are really good. Yeah. There are exactly three uh, black white zombies. Okay. Two of them are really good. <laughs> Right. That's a good ratio. 66% percent it bad. All right, yeah. what, what are it's they? It's Tide Hollow Skuller. Okay. That one's real good. That one's Which really is good. really good. Yeah. He's a zombie. Hi, zombie friend. Also an artifact. Yeah. Um, I don't even think it's the best black-white zombie. Well, in general, it probably is, yeah. but not in the zombie uh, deck. And also Wayward Servant. That's a really good zombie. So the best zombie. Yeah, white, black, 2-2. Yeah. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, you drain them for one. So you have our Grim Grim and this in play, and our Gravecrawler in the bin, and it's just lethal. Six what? out of ten times. Right. <laughs> I know, what's the other one, zombie? I'm tilting so hard right now. Um, Mummy Paramount. It's, no, that one I don't know. It's one and a white for a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever this another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. This one, this also one is good. Not bad. It, it frequently, I think, will crack in as a 3-3 three -three or maybe even a 4-4. Four -four. There's a really good white zombie, which is the one that whenever a zombie enters play, tapped. Help me out there. Tap target creature. I cut that one. Oh, binding factor. Maybe that's wrong. It didn't I seem all that exciting. I think this one okay. seems all right. I think but. it seems really good in the creature matchup. Okay, well. Like, tap their batter skull token, germ token. Hmm. Well, it might it might come back. Then the other two cards are just Zealous Persecution and Vindicate. You could do it as a combat trick by fetching a land and bringing back your landfall guy, and then we blood, don't have a landfall. Blood, blood, blood Guest is, is a vampire. Vampire, vampire. vampire I am a vampire. spirit. I am a vampire. I am a vampire. So there's five white cards in the whole deck. What are the other ones? That's it. Uh, Those ones. Vindicate, Vindicate and Zealous Persecution. Persecution. Okay. That are just good. So there could potentially be one more in the form of maybe Binding Mummy. Um, there's there was a piece of fluff. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were like Mike playing What binding mummy? Um, <laughs> but yeah, just to make the mana better, I could see this just being blue black. And if it was blue black, then I'd maybe end up playing stuff like back to basics. Just to brown your opponent really bad. Um What gets you access to Krakus though? Just play you Krakus can, You can play Krakus anyway. Yeah. But I don't feel bad. Yeah, Putrid Warrior is the third <laughs> black white zombie. He's a 2-2. Whenever he deals damage, you get to choose whether each player loses one life or gains one I mean, life. That counts combat damage, too. So yeah. if, it, if, if it's blocked, you it's, can trade for a creature. Isn't there another white-black zombie? Isn't there a three-mana one from uh, Hour oh, okay, of Devastation? Yeah, actually, I told a lie. It was um, not from Hour of Devastation. Oh, oh, this money. guy. Yeah. This card seems fine as this well. Seems it's fine. not the worst. Really? It's not great. Well, like when you're attacking, but it's not the worst. Might as well give it lifelink as well. <laughs> one um, black-white. For a 2-3, and it has two activated abilities. For one in a white, target attacking zombie gains lifelink, or for one in a black, target attacking zombie gains death touch. What might be really, really, really spicy, like real talk. Yeah. Not, not, not Liam poking holes at Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> All right. There's, a, there's an old white-black land, I think it's from Archyard, that gives all of your creatures lifelink and death Vault touch. Of yeah, Vault, yeah, of Vault of the Archangel. Vault of the Archangel, which I think would be really good. So what Unraveling Mummy and Vault of the Archangel would both be able to do is just swing combat math in your favor. And if you're in a mid-range matchup, or if you're just trying to race in some way, these sort of effects 
Um, so going back to that previous mummy, that might that might be sort of a breakthrough moment as well, which is kind of neat. Maybe. Yeah, like, there's not a lot of cards better at racing than this land. I'm know. I'm I'm tooling the deck up. It's it's really going in a different perfect. direction than it started before. Yeah. Wow. Which is like, it's. Uh, Still Moon Cavalier? That's the one. Yeah. This card's that's really right. good. This card's excellent. Is it? Yes. That's pro blue, black, and white. Yeah, that card's just, it's a, just it's This just card's fights. just great. Gets flying. It has, first it has five relevant abilities. Yeah. I mean, maybe I can, like... Like, even zombie just putting... Night. It's a zombie knight. I, I think one of the reasons I cut this guy is the three-drop slot in this deck is mega stuffed. Yeah. It's got to be better than some of the three drops in your deck. All right, it's my turn to go through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While I mean, you're there, find um, everything you'd be willing to sack, sack to Grim Grim. No Grim Grim. No deal. Right. How um, many, first of all, it's Grim Grin. Oh, oh. Grim Grin. Grim Grin, as in, like, mean smile. Right. Yeah. Secondly, I like my name That's more. the smile he makes when he's asleep, which <laughs> is most better of the than game. This one. How many no. enchantments are you running in that deck? Not many. Okay, so you don't want Daxos. No. He's pretty cool, but he's slow, and you would have to have a massive it's definitely better than this enchantments uh, matter under th or like something. I uh, I just want to say I, when you started describing your deck as having a life loss sub theme, yeah. I think that might be the new way I'm going to describe a deck that's bad. Being like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to do this deck, and it's like, <laughs> wow, you're starting to develop this life. No, no, no. I mean, yours is okay. good, right? but like, he's really starting to develop this life loss sub theme. Like, I lose a lot of life in the uh, game. It's a good theme. It's fair. <laughs> But all it, right. it's kind of neat because I have a way of winning through moat. I have a, a secondary philosophical question for all of you. Do you ever think that, like, media and our our perception of fantasy uh, creatures impacts our deck building decisions? Like, mm. if you think about zombies, I immediately think of like, you know, like Twenty Eight Days Later or like Night of the Living Dead. Like, they strike me as aggressive things, and so I would lean towards trying to make them aggressive. I wouldn't even necessarily think about the cards mm. that much. But as it turns out, maybe you're supposed to play this deck, deck as a mid-range deck, but like, there's nothing about like zombies in sort of like the media that we see that would indicate to you that they ought to be this like stumbling value engine, right? Like typically they're like <laughs> very aggressive, synergy. eating you, that sort of thing. So Jer, Jer has made some suggestions on the fly, and I think Alex might be putting in these new black-white zombies. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Let's move on. Uh, Liam. Yeah. Um, you, you you are known fringe brewer. I'm sure there have been a couple moments of of, uh, no of inspiration. Brewer. Jeez. My mother's <laughs> called me nicer things. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's rare, trust me. We'll, we'll get her on the phone sometimes. Um, yeah, so the deck I'm talking about is blue-black control. Oh, um, I've right. tried to play this deck a bunch of times, sort of like through the annals of my Highlander history. <laughs> um, all right. So... Uh, the first time I tried to play it was like three years ago, something like that, and I sort of figured like, oh, blue-white control is a pretty good deck, blue-red control is a pretty good deck, and at the time it was, blue-red control was not the blue moon that we know now. Yeah, it was, sure. It was like a more fringe, like playable, but not amazing. Like blue-white control was probably the top dog, and then the second best control deck was, um, was actually Esper. Yep. Um, and so I was thinking, surely blue-black has got to be playable, and so I put it together um, with like, I figured like, oh, this deck wants to draw a bunch of cards, I'll play Ancestral Recall. Yada, yada, yada. The deck was not good. Lost a lot. Uh, so I shelved it and played some other stuff. Then I, when I came back to Victoria, um, I was like, oh, you know, I want to play Control. Maybe this blue-black deck's finally better. And so I 
rooted again, put it together, played, was not good, lost a lot. I'm so curious about that. What did, I'm gonna derail you for a second here. Why was blue-black so much worse than blue-white? You'd think like you have more spot removal, the Just hand attack has gotta be great. Less universal say. answers, and it didn't have a great way to win the game. Yeah, so those, those really? yeah, yeah. The blue-black threats suck, and they're expensive. Um, hmm. And then the other thing is, yeah, as as Jarrah said, uh, like where blue white is very good at answering basically everything because white removal is amazing, amazing, right? Yeah. Like unex well, and like unexpectedly absent council's judgment, like mm. these these cards literally answer everything, hmm. which is really good. Um, blue black, like you can kill creatures, and that's about it. Yeah, you're very good at killing creatures, but if a uh, and planeswalkers, blue black's also quite good at doing that. There's mm. a lot of removal for planeswalkers, but if an artifact resolves, you're in rough shape. If an enchantment resolves, you're in pretty rough shape. Um, and then actually. Uh, a sort of tertiary issue that blue-black had over blue-white is actually blue-black's aggro matchups were worse than they ought to have been for a control deck. Mm -hmm. um, blue-black like really beat up on the mid-range decks more than any other control deck. You're super favored in those matchups because you have pretty high quality removal, you have very high quality threats at your top end, so you're going to win the mid-range matchups, but in particular mono-red was like a tough matchup that blue-white had more answers to. Cards like moat yeah. uh, were, were pretty potent and just like... Omens. Uh, yeah, oh, like yeah. those kinds of things. Even having access to like Mystical Tutor for Terminus to stabilize the board. So uh, I've tried to play this deck like three different times at this point and, and not really liked it all that much. Uh, so finally, I decided I was going to play it. And in order to be better against aggro and more specifically exactly mono red, um, I'm like sort of fudging what deck I'm playing. But I, I added red to the deck. Um, but not a lot of red cards. In fact, exactly one red card. Uh, You're going to love it, Surge. Yeah, I added Madcap Experiment, and I cut all my artifacts, and I put Platinum Imperium in the deck. And the reason you do that is it lets you... Surge sad. Got it. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's to beat the mono red players. The fact that your decks also can't beat this combo is not my problem. Um... <laughs> It's sort of tough, but fair. <laughs> wow, <laughs> green surge just, just cross encrypt it. I can't even counter it. <laughs> um, so, so the the reason being is that having Madcap Experiment in your deck gives you a really well defined plan in the mono red matchup, and that was something that blue black was missing. I tried huh. adding a bunch of cheap removal. I tried adding tried adding things like uh, Farika's Cure. Um, and Soren's uh, thirst, thirst, yeah, oh, the, like wow. the black, black deal two damage, gain two life. But those two, those cards are just like really underwhelming. Oftentimes they have a handful of burn spells and it doesn't even do anything. Sure. Um, and also as a black deck, you innately hurt yourself some amount of the time anyway. Yeah. So adding adding Madcap experiments, the first sort of like big breakthrough that tightens up the mono red matchup, and it, it comes at a cost for sure. Um, and the cost is there's sort of three card, four cards that are like really obvious costs. You don't get to play Sensei's Top, which yep. is great in this yep. deck. You don't get to play Shackles, which is yep. pretty good in this deck. Uh, and then the two, uh, actually the two biggest hits in my mind are you don't get to play Baleful Strix, which is just like great, awesome combo card, exactly what the deck wants, or control cards, sorry, exactly what the deck wants to do. And Torrential Gear Hulk is the biggest loss. This, this card's insane. Ouch. It's both a threat and a value engine. So. The, the adding of Madcap Experiment is by no means free, um, but it's worth it because it gives you a really clear plan in the Monored matchup. Hmm. Then, so then you have, but by solving one problem, you've inherently developed another problem, which is that now the matchups that used to be really good, which yeah, were the mid-range mid matchups, and, and control. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I, I like blue black against mid-range control and combo to a certain extent. You actually have made them worse. Um, so you have to put something back in for specifically mid-range and control, and the solution there was to add way more draw spells and to, to add worse draw spells, technically speaking. Uh, hmm. So uh, Jared and I actually both like we we talked to, we, we've we've both talked about this 
a bunch. Jer's Jer's sort of innovation on the deck is Murmurs from Beyond. This is a, a two and a blue instant that's basically mini factor fiction. Definitely um, a best card you're not playing. So you reveal the top three cards, and then your opponent picks one that goes into the graveyard, and you get the other two. And in a control deck, this is good because you just want density, and often cards, oftentimes your cards are doing the same thing. Also, in specifically blue-black, you tax your de your graveyard a lot, and so this binning a thing is, is nice oh, as well. Oh, more delve. Huh. Yeah. Um, uh, hieroglyphic Illumination is a new card that, that I, I've played and that Jared and I have both talked about before. So this is a three, three and a blue instant. It's basically oh, yeah. inspiration, but it cycles. And that's the important part. The fact that it cycles lets you get velocity in hands where you have too many draw spells. And then the last one is... Well, it also fills your delve, which is great, too. You're like, I yeah. can cycle this for one, get a different card, and set up when my... It's also matchup dependent. So if you draw it in the mono-red matchup, you can just get, get rid, rid of it when you don't have... Don't have time. Yeah, interesting. And then the last one is Glimmer of Genius, um, and this one digs a little bit better, which is nice. This is actually the worst of the three, I would say. Oh, really? Um, yeah, it's less flexible, and when you cast it, it's better. But it's it's the hardest one to cast, and yeah. so as a result, it's a little problematic. Hmm. So. Interestingly, here's the third and, and maybe the most interesting innovation. I cut Ancestral Recall from the deck. Um, so I just finished talking about how I wanted draw spells in the deck, needed more card velocity. Then I'm going to remove the best possible draw spell. Yeah, and the reason for that is is twofold. One, it costs seven points now, and that's yep. abhorrent and not sustainable for most blue decks. Um, it's just like too expensive. You lose out on, on hat playing almost anything else, especially now that Mana Drain is a point. Um, it's just like... It's too difficult to sustain playing a seven-point Ancestral Recall when basically any playable blue card is taxed at a point now. Probably hmm. um, by design. The card is really busted. Yeah, uh, I'm not on the council. I wasn't involved in this in this debate. I was the person who recommended raising it to six. I now think it's too much at seven, but we can talk about that another time. Um, so instead, I cut Ancestral Recall and I played what we've sort of been calling in the community the small point spread. So I played uh, six-pointed or... No, eight pointed cards. I played six one point cards and two two point cards. Nice. So I played yeah. um, True Name Nemesis, Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, tr um, Mana two. Drain. Wait, are those all one? I thought they're Cruise all one. Or Library, Library of Alexandria. Nice. Yeah, that's um, hot. And Mind Twist. And then for the two points card, two points, two point cards, I played uh, Mystical Tutor and Gifts Ungiven. That's um, a hot spread. One of the hot things you can do with Gifts Ungiven in this deck is that you can play on Burial Rites and it kind of becomes a second um, Madcap experiment. Mm. You go Gifts Ungiven for Empyrean plus, plus, plus Burial Rites. Holy crap! Um, and then the last thing I did is I rights. made my deck better at finding Madcap Experiment than the average um, blue deck is. No, uh, no I, well, I mean, that, that mystical. Mystical, sure, but then I also had a Clutch of the Undercity, uh, which is one blue-blue-black for uh, an instant that also transmutes. So it transmutes for one blue-black to find a four-drop. And then the really nice thing about Clutch is its text isn't great, but it's text, um, which is that for four mana, you can return a permanent to its owner's hand, and its controller loses three life. So this actually solves, like one, incidentally, of blue, yeah. Yeah, solves one of blue-black's problems, which is kind of nice. Um, this, this also and just to clarify, that's artifacts and enchantments resolving. Yes. yes. So this also transmutes for damnation. Yep. Jace the mind sculptor. Hey. Yep. Uh, this guy. Fact. Or, well, not well, fact or fiction. Um, you just had it on the screen. Uh, gifts on given. Yep. What else does it get? Madcap. 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 Well, that's that's the reason. That's 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 I mean, I, I think I think yeah. But you're, it, you're it, fine. it like gets you cards that are good when you're behind. Gets you cards when you need to win the game. 
it are, also are you only splashing for madcap? Yeah. Like that's the only red card. You're not, yeah. even, you're not even like, I could get Caligan's like well, Caligan's no, command. I, think, or I think that that is a mistake. I think that um, that's a, a dangerous road to go down because as soon as you start playing more red spells, like my red sources were exactly Volcanic Island Badlands. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, that's uh, it. Just, just, just the two. Just, just two. Um, huh. And then since I was playing Gifts on Giving with Unburial Rights, I also had Tundra Scrubland in my deck. So, I was going to say because so yeah. I'm I'm blue black control, but on the on my it's tapped out like page, it's blue black white red. <laughs> white red. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm playing like half half a white card and a, and a red card. You know, you know what would make my two color deck better if I made it four colors, but only very <laughs> barely. I know, I know. Interesting. Like interesting. Frosting. This 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 deck building is like archetypal of my like personality as a deck builder too. In that it was like, oh yeah, let's build this nice two color deck, and then I could add more colors to it. So to make it I've better. got I've got I had a eureka moment right now. You know how I beat um, platinum whatever face What's that? I play shackles and I just ramp out to more islands and it's power. <laughs> and then, and then there it's, are easier ways. No no no. And then it's <laughs> and then it's mine. And you know what? It goes infinite with fast bond. It does not because it prevents your damage. You don't lose life. You don't pay life. Uh, fast bond deals one damage, damage to you. Damage to you? Yeah, mm. and so then I can combo them out using their own platinum. Maybe search. you should start playing Madcap Experiment in your lands decks and just rolling the dice. Maybe you'll get Platinum Imperium. Maybe you'll get Crucible. Maybe I'll get if, Mox if Crucible. Well, you could cut that one. <laughs> and then, like you know, if Crucible's in the top twenty, it's still good, but like obviously slightly worse. Can I interest you in a little card called Control Magic? <laughs> not spicy enough. Nobody plays a card anymore. There, there are better shame. ones. It costs yeah. four. So? Treasure. All right, all right. Worth a lot. Let's... I actually had... Sorry, oh. I just had a, one last question about uh, that. Is Threads of Disloyalty an underplayed card in our format? It's really inconsistent. It's, it's very uh, meta-dependent. Thre thre threads for people at home is one blue-blue for an enchantment that uh, lets you take control of a, of a creature with, oh god, the new art. <laughs> um, nice. With nice. converted mana cost two or less. Um, so this was a card that saw play in modern sideboards for a little while, especially when Jun was really popular. Yeah, uh, in fact, it will. In fact, it will likely make its way back into modern sideboards now because Jun is back to being very popular. Yeah, this is oh. uh, pretty no. hot. Um, <laughs> you don't like that one? It's very dark. Eureka! I have found it. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Kaja. So, um, so yeah. So threads. The problem with threads and Highlander is like against a lot of decks, it's literally dead. And even against the decks that you want it for. Um, the inherent variance of the format means that a lot of the time the two drop they're playing is just like pretty underwhelming, and, and taking their two drop isn't going to feel that good. Like taking a putrid leech from an aggro deck is the control deck. Yeah, is no, like they take their goif. Well, like or their bob if they, they have it. Exactly, it's those. great if they have those. Well, even, even taking Whomping. your bob is like a little dicey. Like, yeah. I guess you do it, but when yeah. you flip the consecrated sphinx that you put in your deck, it feels a little bad. I remember or you dig through time or your treasure cruise. I remember uh, my buddy Shane played um, Bob in Blue Black Academy. Holy moly. And you're just like, that's that's bold. And he's like, oh, Staff of Ding, oh, you gotta roll the dice. <laughs> you don't, really. Yeah, yeah. You may choose And he's like, I am also playing Emrakul. I'm like, you're a madman. <laughs> that's worse than getting domed by, like, Eh, it's fine. You gotta, live, you gotta live dangerously, my friend. All right, let's, let's move on to our closing segment. Although we've already had a lot of powerful magic stories today, let's do it. It's time for powerful magic. It's evolved. Up today, we've got Liam. Liam, I want to hear all about another spicy story. Well, and this is perfect because I've given you all the preamble already because the story's from this weekend. <laughs> so this weekend was uh, the third. 
Highlander qualifier event. Nice, nice. Uh, won by Benjamin. Congratulations to oh, him. Oh, man. On, Damn. Je on Jeskai, beat Blue Moon in the finals. Um, it's Good. almost as though pointing blue cards hasn't done anything to impact the best blue decks. <laughs> um, <laughs> More points? No, no. That's... All right. So uh, I was playing this blue, black, white, red um, deck. And I was, it was a five-round tournament cut to top eight. And I'm 2-1-1. One, one. Jar and I drew uh, in this tournament. Not our fault. Uh, oh, it wasn't a deliberate draw. Uh, yeah. No, no, it was not. We did not get to start our third game. Uh, Jar was playing Doomsday, and I was playing this control deck. And both, both the first two games went pretty long. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I had a draw. So it was a winning in for me. I, I was playing, playing uh, Matt on Mono Red, and whoever won was going to make top eight. And in game one... Um, he lit up the barbecue, uh, killed me, and I died. What were they on? Mono red. Did you say that? I did. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow, That's okay. I don't know how I breezed over that. I was uh, probably thinking, like, which mat? Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, because I, if I knew that, I'd figure out which deck it was. And yeah, instead, yeah. you just told me the deck. My apologies. That's okay. Um, so, game two, uh, I execute the game plan. Uh, very well, which is find Madcap Experiment and cast Madcap Experiment. The game's even funnier because I, like, have two lands in my opening hand, get strip mined on turn two, and then draw six lands in a row to be able to like cast the bad cap and have counterspell in my hand for the con for the fiery confluence I know he has. But um, so I win that game, and I'm thinking, wow, that's the best game I'm going to play in this tournament. And boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> so wow. in game three, I'm on the draw. Matt goes Mountain Soul Scar Mage. Soul Scar Mage is a one-two for one. That has prowess and says uh, non-combat sources of damage. Uh, deal their damage in minus one, minus one counters, basically. Um, so they sort of have wither. Sort of, yeah. Well, it's a good way to, to kill uh, Platinum Imperial. Uh, funny you should say that. So <laughs> so the game goes on, and Matt's draw is not spectacularly aggressive, but it's certainly aggressive. And my hand is a, a classic play madcap on turn four and cross your fingers and hope it doesn't die. Sure. Kind of hand against Moderate. And so we get to that point. I mystical tutor for it. I, I play it, it's fine. He doesn't have a braid and fiery con or fiery confluence, so I don't just die. But he does start to slowly kind of wither this this platinum imperium down. Okay. And I'm I'm I haven't drawn enough counter spells to stop from dying ent entirely. And then finally, I do have a counter spell in my hand, but he has barbarian ring, uh, and soulscar mage also works with barbarian ring. Also, it was a two two at this point, so it didn't matter. Um, it was just gonna die. So Matt, barbarian rings my platinum imperium. Um, yeah, yeah, and then my Platinum Imperium dies, I go to two, Oof, and, uh... yeah, and I'm sort of like, oh god, probably dead, but, well, I have this Ponder, I guess, so I, like, draw for my turn, and I cast my Ponder, and, like, the first draw is a miss, the second draw is a miss, and then the third draw is in Burial Rites. <laughs> uh, and so, so I put that one on wow. top, and draw it, and then I Unburial Rites my... Um, Burial writes my Platinum Empyrean, and Matt proceeds to sort of like tilt out of his chair, oh, um, sort of slide, just no. slide in that direction. That's and so awful because even if he gets like smashed to smithereens, you can just flash back on Burial Rites and get it again. Well, like, Liam was at two. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Smash kills me. Like, odds are if he manages to kill the Platinum Empyrean again, I'm dying. But, uh, suffice oh. it to say, he did not manage to kill the Platinum Empyrean again. And I successfully won the match and, and made top eight, only to then lose in the semifinals. Why do I not own sorry. a copy of this card? This card's really Great good. Question. It's a good card. This yeah, card's really it. good. Like um, 
Yeah, so this is just like a great example of like perfect deck building. Uh, <laughs> had it the whole time. Yeah, never lucky. Right, the whole plan. I watched that game. It was so tilting. To it's, watch. it's funny too because I usually have like an okay poker face when I'm like playing, and but I was like I was pretty sure I was dead, and then I saw the third card was on burial rights, and I'm sure like the look on my face, I could feel it that I was like, oh my god, we're doing it. Like we might actually win this game. I didn't know what you drew, but I knew it was good. Yeah. <laughs> He also drew Fiery Confluence like two turns later, and you managed to find a counter spell yes. in that time. Yeah, oh yeah. The, the, the way this game ended was also hysterical. I like ended up sticking an Ashiok and using it to uh, steal a Hazaret, and then I only had one card in my hand, so I was like drawing for turn, throwing lands at my Monoret opponent and attacking with a Hazaret <laughs> that wasn't mine. <laughs> with a Baral in play. <laughs> There's a Baral in play. Yeah, uh -huh. this, so a 6-6 six, six Platinum Imperial, like a Brawl, yeah, Hazaret, an Ashiok, and me with one card in hand. That was most of the game. Which was the counterspell you needed. My goodness. Uh, All right, well, that, that's a story. It was a hot story for sure. <laughs> that burnt my mouth. <laughs> All right, team, well, that's our episode for the day. Uh, you know, stories of, of uh, breakthrough moments, eureka moments in our deck building, in, in the collective decks that we really like to play. Uh, do we allocate a winner? What do we want to do for that one? I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not, not a Liam's contest. Bit. It's no, about the journey. So you think you can deck? Yeah. Right. Which uh, oh, we've definitely had some good comments on that. So, anyways, thank you so much for watching. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. As always, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by you, the support over the Patreon at patreon.com/slash Run. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I uh, hope to see some suggestions up soon, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>